are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. This is Beth, along with Dr. Scott Clithrow. As always, we want to thank everyone for tuning in. And we have a very special guest today, Paul Sweck, on our show. I am so excited about today's episode because we're stepping a little bit out of the box to talk about human trafficking. You know, it's a topic that is not only obviously important to get out there, but it can relate to wellness as it pertains to mental health but also social wellness and awareness. And if you are a regular listener to A Healthier View, you may notice a shift in this season. So yes, we will still talk about physical and mental wellness because that's what we know. But Scott and I are always challenging ourselves. And this season, we're gonna bring um, a more broad and necessary focus on the inclusion of social and spiritual wellness as well. So, Paul, welcome to A Healthier View, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us, to enlighten us, and bring attention to this hot topic. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, all that you're doing in, in informing the public uh, about health and wellness and um, starting these new topics that everybody is starting to wonder about but have no real direction to be able to uh, find the information. Yeah, you know, it was about, um, I guess, over a month ago on our long hiatus in August, Scott took off the month of August, and I was talking to a friend about general wellness, and he said something that made me really think, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said true wellness is, you know, taking care of not only our own bodies, but being good stewards of the land, the water, the animals, and the gifts we receive, whether that be a gift of friendship or even a salary from our work or profession, but more importantly, taking care of our brothers and sisters. And then fast forward a few weeks, I was introduced to Paul, and he so graciously agreed to be on our show. So before we really dive into today's topic and conversation, Paul, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you? Well, um, sometimes it's a difficult place to start. So um, for me, um, I grew up in in the typical middle to upper middle class neighborhood and outside of Detroit, Michigan. And typical childhood, uh, but you know, we all had our issues that we had to deal with as growing up. And um, my particular one was um, some abuse topics that I won't get into. Um, so subsequently, throughout my life, my my self esteem was pretty low. I I was very rebellious, always asking questions, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing. But uh, the way that I I presented myself at times was pretty harsh at times because it was a defense mechanism and then that affected going into my adult life things like that and then I ended up about seven years ago at the last of a long line of very horrible relationships as a result of how I felt about myself I now know that so after that relationship had ended I came to a crossroads and I knew that I either had to change something or things would just spiral out of control and get worse and worse and who knows what's going to happen as a result of that. 
So I decided to work on myself and figure, I didn't know where to start, I didn't know what to do, but I was determined to figure out what that common denominator of me was causing to have all of these things happen in my life that were of no benefit to me. Well, back then I didn't see them as a benefit, but I know now why I've gone. So my journey over the last seven plus years has been very internal, very, I was always, and I see it a lot in, in many, many other people where they tend to keep themselves as busy as possible. Um, I have one friend from many years. He literally had five to six legal pads filled with lists of things to do that he needed to take care of. And he's always adding on to them, always changing them. For me, I'm now seeing that from mine wasn't as bad, but it was running from myself instead of looking within myself. So when I decided to finally do that, I got more into, into a, a consistent meditation practice, which now um, I teach meditations through um, nonprofit organizations. I never charge for it. Um, I even do one-on-ones. I'm certified in uh, Zen, Osho. Um, I also include uh, Vipassana, which um, I've done several silent three and 10 day silent retreats through the popular centers throughout the country. I also am a Reiki master teacher and I provide healing services for those that need it and even those who can't afford it. Uh, my, my mission in life has become to help people wake up to themselves. And that is, I find that to be extremely fulfilling and it deepens my love for you. Wow. Now, Scott, I know you're going to ask the next question, but I do have to say, I think it would be easier for me, I mean, personally, to go without eating for three or 10 days than to go without talking. So I am so excited. And I know we've talked in the back saying we want to have you on again. <laughs> um, but seriously, I think that would be extremely difficult. All kind of the chatter in your head and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think that would be difficult. What about you, Scott? Do you think you could go three or 10 days without talking? Well, I know there's people around me who wish I would, but um, <laughs> it would be very difficult. Um, well, you know, again, I think, um, you know, um, listen more, talk less, right? I mean, that's a that's a marriage counselor's advice. That's a, probably a advice medical students learn when, and nursing students learn when they're dealing with learning how to deal with patients. And I think just a humanity thing. I think, and this, certainly in this uh, toxic environment we found ourselves in. This, these echo chambers, it'd be nice that we listen more and talk less. So that really resonates with me. That really does. Well, I believe also that it's, it's not, not just the listening, it's actual active listening as well, being able to um, repeat back what somebody had said in a compassionate manner so that they know that you fully understand rather than the typical thing that we all tend to do is thinking about what we're going to say next while the other person is speaking. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so true. You kind of, you know, the whole, that, that, that one of the things we try to do in medicine is reflect back, you know, so what I hear you're saying is that this pain started, you know, kind of reflect back on them, make sure you have it right. But then that really gets you to focus on what they're saying. If you know, the next thing you're going to say is actually to repeat back what, what was said, that, that changes the game completely. You know, and I think it's kind of funny because, you know, Absolutely. Um, when, you, you, when you watch these uh, interchanges on TV, maybe with satellite news reporters from far away and there's those that pause, you know, that that pause that seems kind of awkward. Well, that pause in a one on one conversation can sometimes be helpful just to kind of let it sit there for a second and everybody reflect on what was said and then and then move on, you know. 
I agree. Yes. Well, Beth, I'll go next. I mean, um, you know, I, I, this is such an interesting topic, and 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 I guess this is a, a statement than a question, but you know, your intro was so wonderful, and 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 the, and the journey of self-reflection, which is so fascinating to me, and 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 yet the travails you've had in your life, you took those and said, I'm going to make the world better. I'm going to learn a skill like meditation, which we think the world of, and we've talked, Beth and I talked about it times, and I'm going to help other people. And, I've, and then, you know, and then the topic of today's conversation, I mean, how, how did that evolve from the, you know, the, the things you've been dealing with and the things you've learned into that next, that, that next step, that next level of, of awareness and then dissemination of information? How did that, how did that process work? For me, it became after it, I started waking up to the things that are going on in the world. Probably it was it was after the 2016 election. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, but subsequently, after our current president took office, I started noticing the changes that were happening, um, which led me to start digging into things and seeing why we were not being told a lot of the truth when I was seeing evidence to the contrary of what we were being told. And that started leading into many other you know, rabbit holes as it were. But then it came to child and human trafficking and that struck a chord in me. Uh, I have always been uh, one for equal justice for all, I'm a Libra, so the balance and, and, and the justice part kind of falls in naturally in for me. But growing up the way that I did and I was picked on all the time and um, bullied and whatnot. So I had a sense of wanting to be able to help other people who could not stand up for themselves. So when I went through my journey of awakening to myself and starting to heal my past traumas, I started seeing myself as a child and, and having compassion for myself and starting to love myself unconditionally. And I, I started to get my own voice. I never felt like I could speak my mind and be who I wanted to be and be exactly who I am and be accepted for it. And if I wasn't, then it, then, it, then they aren't worthy of being around me, not in a, in a, an arrogant way or, or a narcissistic way, but more of, I know I deserve better. When I finally got my, my voice, I wanted to be able to speak up, to speak up about the things that I found that were injustices. And with the, I started seeing the numbers of people that were, that were going missing every year as a result of this trafficking, which I'm, a lot of it we don't know it's trafficking, but when these people aren't found ever and without a trace, it becomes pretty overwhelming when you start seeing these numbers and with just children alone not anybody that's over the age of 18 but just children alone even Reuters um, their numbers are showing that 800,000 children every single year go missing in the United States alone and over 2 million children every year go missing globally without a trace. Wow. That's disturbing mm -hmm. and people don't wow. know about that. When, and then you, and those of us with children, especially when you start thinking, what would happen if my child turned up missing? If I could not find them, if I didn't know what was happening to them. And then you start hearing these stories now about these children being trafficked and these children being forced into different types of slavery or organ harvesting. Can you imagine, I can't imagine the terror that these children are feeling. Yeah. And I want to be part of helping to, to correct that. 
you know, I would assume that the full scope of human trafficking is really difficult for most of us to wrap our head around because so many of us, I mean, me included, I have not personally been affected by human trafficking. And honestly, I think the first time I really even thought about it when I was watching a Law and Order episode years ago, that adding into that difficulty, many cases go undetected. And when I was preparing for this interview, I had read something that the United Nations refers to this as a hidden figure of crime, and that it's estimated that internationally, there are up to 40 million people, children, women, men, um, that go missing or that are in modern slavery today. And I was blown away by that comment and those spots. So Paul, how has this morphed into such a travesty and quite honestly has gone out of hand? Oh, there, there are many speculations, and, and it's very difficult to find hard evidence in a lot of it. But for one example, that is very public and very easy to find information on, if you look at the country of Libya, when it was, um, that's another controversial topic, but when it was basically overthrown, now it is in such chaos and, and, and turmoil that there are literally slave auctions in the open air markets in Libya for oh humans. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one. That's, that's just one example of, of many, many, many other things. And then you look into China and the accusations of the organ harvesting of adults and children. When these, there are people who speak up or dissidents as they were, they, they just end up missing and never heard from again. There are people that were that are, are said by their families that were they just were taken away and they've never seen them again. They said that they had, oh, they just went to this camp for correction and they were they're literally never seen again. And it's speculated and, and with a lot of um, pretty hard evidence that to to the proof of that is that these people are being harvested for their organs for international trade. You know, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that I, I don't know much about this. I mean, I'm going to say, you know, a year ago, two years ago, when you hear human trafficking, I always thought it was, you know, you know, prostitution or sex slavery or something like that. I, and it's just been really recent that I, when I'm doing my research and talking about this, that it's, you know, the, you know, the organ harvesting, like you talked about. And I, I mean, it just goes beyond, you know, and on and on. It's layer after layer after layer. All of this crosses over into so many different realms and crosses over into other um, hot topics as well. It's, it's not just one of those conversations that uh, takes an hour or two. It's one of those things that evolves over, over time because it is so, everything is so interwoven that it becomes confusing and overwhelming and people don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to look into it anymore because it is exhausting and it is very emotional. It's an emotional roller coaster when you start digging into these things and finding out these truths that are actually right in front of our faces, but we are told that they're not real, just don't look at it. And I can't remember which news outlet it was. I believe it may have been the New York Times, I think about a week or two ago, where they came out with an article saying that the average person isn't intelligent enough to do their own research and be able to, to, to um, recognize facts from quote-unquote fiction. So just leave it to us and we'll tell you what's right and wrong. I actually heard now that, that's yeah. that smells of desperation in my opinion. That's the smells of desperation in my opinion. Why would you tell somebody not to look in this direction? Don't look at the man behind the curtain. 
Mm-hmm. I just watched that movie, The Social Media, Paul, and I mean, I, you know, I think it's a slippery slope. I mean, you know, I, I think that it, it's hard to know, you know, what's fact and what's fiction. I mean, you know, look at look at every. I mean, the coronavirus. We're seeing real medicine played out in real time, and people think there's ulterior motives. It's just the uncertainty of things, you know. And so I, I you know, with all due respect, I. I yeah, you know, I don't believe anything I read on the internet unless I know it to be true or I can fact check it on multiple things. So, you know, I read the New York Times, I read the Austin American Statesman, the Houston Chronicle. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's really dangerous. These, these, these uh, theories out there, conspiracy theories, whatever they are, they may be real, maybe not. But I mean, they've been going on for a long time. And I also know I've seen a lot of stuff about how conspiracy theories are kind of addictive. You know, they. They're, they release dopamine in the brain when you hear about it. So I, I have to push back a little bit, Paul. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not dismissing anything you're saying, but at the same time, we have to be careful with the rabbit hole of the internet. There's a lot of stuff out there that may not be true. And, you know, and I, I tell the listeners all the time, verify things, you know? So, I mean, you, you obviously are much more um, cog- cognizant and aware of this than I am, but I, I do think that when the New York times says that maybe they're just saying it to say, Hey, be careful. I mean, I don't, Maybe not look, don't look away, but look twice, look three times, verify. But, you know, we only have so much time in the day. We got to, you know, feed our kids and pay the bills and go to work and, you know, learn about other things. So I don't know. I, that's, that makes me a little uncomfortable because I, I know I, I see a lot of conspiracy theories in medicine that come out that are, I know they're untrue because that's my area of expertise. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit cautious about that. So, Tell me what you had to say about that. I mean, I want to hear your response to that. Oh, that I can start in a lot of different places with that one. Um, <clears throat> let's start with uh, the media. Or actually, we'll backtrack a little bit. When it comes to <clears throat> things that we see on the Internet or, uh, or wherever we're finding information, it is obviously best to look deeper into a subject. It, look into different sources. Try to find the quote-unquote credible sources, look for sources from um, even like whitehouse.gov, start looking at uh, executive orders or start looking at laws or mandates or anything like that so that we can cross-reference into, into those articles that we're reading to try to, to make heads or tails of what the truth may be. But then we also have to take into consideration that six corporations own 95% of the news outlets throughout our world. And a lot of these corporations are connected to companies that are implicated in a lot of these heinous crimes. So when we put those two things together, you have to be you have to have discernment and take with a grain of salt even what the mass media is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why we we need to do our our due diligence and in looking into things a little bit deeper on our own. But it is very difficult in this world because, as you said, we're all trying to pay our bills and do our work and spend time with our families and do this, 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 and this, and the whole long line of things that we need to take care of in order to survive. And a lot of that is by design so that we don't look at the man, look for the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very fair. That's a very fair assumption. I just, I think that, and I guess my next follow to the question is this, I mean, you know, certainly, yeah, I'm not sure Beth will post them, but I'm fascinated by this. What, what resources do you use? What do you recommend? Um, you know, what, how can folks get involved? I mean, you know, how can we, what, how, how, do, how does the listener make a difference in this uh, area? 
that's a judgment call on everybody's. Um, <laughs> again, it, it just it breaks down into how much time does somebody have or want to dedicate into these things, because there is there are so many different directions that you can look. You have to use your own discernment, your own intuition, to be able to go in the directions that you feel are right for you to be able to look in. And it also depends on how much time that you have in your day. And you also have to be careful, though, because when you start getting into these things, you can lose all track of time and you can you start neglecting things in your life. I did that for a long time in the beginning, and I had to force myself to take, you know, I need a few days away from the Internet or I need to take, you know, go out up to Sedona and put my feet on the ground and just be in the moment for a couple of days rather than being sucked into this world where, you have this heavy feeling inside of you and, and actual even sorrow at times to the, with the things that you're finding and coming across and actually being able to prove. So that's very, it's, it's a very difficult thing for me to be able to say, go look here, go look here, go look here. Because there isn't a 100% concrete source for, say, this particular topic or this particular topic. It has, it, it, again, it's all interwoven together. So it's, you have to use your own discernment. And so that being said, these last six months of this um, pandemic, we've had a lot more time to be alone. And it's, it's been up to everybody individually how they want to spend that time. Are you going to sit down on your butt and play video, video games and watch TV and fill your face with ice cream? Or are you going to do something that's going to benefit your soul and yourself, which is self-nurturing? self-care, taking care of yourself, doing the things that you need to do in order not to just survive, but to also build your self-esteem, build your self-character, build who, knowing who you are to be able to clear out the junk inside of you, to be able to have the discernment and knowing what your intuition is saying to you and directions to go in. Because with all this yeah. clutter inside of us, we can't hear that that voice inside of us that knows where to go. Yeah, and having with anything, and not just this information, it's anything in our life. And, and you know, and that yeah. is so fabulous. I mean, ironically, the more obsessed I get with myself, my fitness, my performance, my finances, the more I tend to neglect my soul. And for me, when my soul is not centered and right, I tend to define myself by my accomplishments, by my appearance, my title, my social circles. And um, that's when I tend to kind of lose my identity. You know, I've experienced this myself when I've gotten injured or sick or had a poor race or a workout. And that's the time when I really kind of felt like I wasn't happy. You know, I, I really, I just wasn't happening. And I was transitioning to a lower level of energy because I was losing my identity as an athlete or a healthy person. But just kind of going back to human trafficking real quick, um, you know, advocates report a growing trend of traffickers using online social media platforms to recruit and advertise. And this targets, um, you know, a, a, another whole realm of human trafficking. Um, it can be. We, we, there have been a lot of people that have, okay, let's just, we can we can use this as an example. There are a lot of a lot of people on on social media, such as um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the like, where people are being censored. Um, this is the first time, pretty much since the beginning of this year, 
there has not really been any kind of censoring at all. People are just allowed free flow of information. You use your own discernment as to what you find to be true and not true. And now that we're, we're seeing these huge swaths of accounts being deleted, people being silenced or people being um, uh, put on, put in the corner as it were for, you know, in Facebook jail for a week at a time, a month at a time. Um, I have several personal friends um, that are very upstanding uh, citizens that have good paying jobs, but they just are speaking the truth and they're not really going out on limbs. They're not saying some crazy, you know, like quote unquote crazy conspiracy theories. They're just like, well, what if, what about this? I saw this. What do you think? And they will be, oh, you're in Facebook jail for a week. Mm -hmm. like, why the heavy censoring if there's nothing going on? Paul, what um, what about um, United States particularly? Like, um, what 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 are the significant um, problems in this country? I know that there's, I mean, I you know when I think of human trafficking, when I, you know I guess it's cause because I live on down here on the border. There's a lot of you know smuggling of immigrants trying to get across the border, and you know a lot of deaths and a lot of crimes against the immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one example. You can certainly expand on that if you want. But what other what are the major problems in the United States, I guess, as far as you, you know, I, I guess they're all problems. Obviously, they're all problems. What are the biggest problems, I guess? Well, one of them that comes to mind uh, right off the top is, like you were saying, you, you live by the border. I, I do as well. I'm about two hours north of the Mexican border. And one of the biggest things that have been found is, is the child trafficking um, back and forth from the from the border not just coming in but also going out mm -hmm. and they're finding they're, let me back up a little bit a lot of people are have been pointing the finger about these camp these these immigrant camps that have these quote-unquote cages for these children and they're being separated from their families they're finding they're, these children are being separated for one because they're finding that these children that are coming over the border with these people they're not their children Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for another, when we back up towards the what I was saying before about these quote unquote cages, they, they but they're using them to be able to help these children to be able to find help them find their their true families. There was an instance, and I can't remember the name of the little girl, and I feel bad about it. But there was, and, and it turns out there is. I have two friends that were that are involved that have ties to these to things that have happened by the border. Um, but there was a little girl that was found in the back of a station wagon, making it look like she was asleep. But it turned out that this little girl was dead and it turned, and they had found that this particular little girl was trafficked over the border, like three or four different times. And this, this child was found dead in the back of this car with people that were not her parents. Yeah. So then I have a, a, another friend who was... I don't know if you remember hearing about it, but it was outside of Nogales in Mexico, uh, south of the Arizona border, that there were a couple of Mormon women and a bunch of children that were shot, their car was shot up by a Mexican drug cartel. That was all over the news. I think it was like somewhere around um, maybe October, like September or October of last year. And it was a friend of mine, it was her sister, her two sisters that were in the car and the children. So I got to hear a little bit of what was actually going on in there. So there was a lot of speculation that they were trafficking these children and all this other nonsense. But it, it, it turned out it was a drug-related crime, but not because the 
be um, because of the, the parents weren't doing anything the parents with the children. And when we have the numbers that we do of the children that are missing and are, and like I said in the beginning, Reuters is showing that over 2 million children around the world, and I'm sure that's a very conservative number, show up missing around the world. You know, and I can really feel your passion with this. And I'm so glad we have people like you that can, you know, because it's something I, I honestly, and I'm embarrassed to say, I've never really thought about, you know, I mean, and I'm so overjoyed and inspired with the clarity of your life purpose. Um, and honestly, some of the biggest lessons I've learned along the way have been by not putting my head in the sand. And I'm kind of like, really, you know, you've challenged me to do that. But what can we do? Um, where do we go from here? How can we help? Well, we have to ask ourselves also, again, using our discernment with the media at hand that we have you know, easiest access to and we're told what the truth is. We have to question why hasn't the media, the mass, the mainstream media told us about these numbers? When, when you could find the numbers through quote unquote reputable sources, which I would, I was very surprised to find that Reuters is reporting such high numbers um, because these numbers I usually only see in, in alternative sources. So why isn't the mainstream media talking about this? This is a huge, huge, huge thing. And mm -hmm. so we have to question what else are they not telling us? That's why you didn't know about it. That's why I didn't know about it for a very long time until I started looking into it. Why isn't this a big thing? So we have to be able to question what we're being told because it's not the truth. It's, 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 it's that information. Just listen to it yourself. Stop being so controlled that you have to, that you believe the narrative that you're being told. And hating, and when the the biggest signal for me that I that I found within myself using my own discernment, if somebody is being disparaging right off the bat, that's a red flag. Yeah, yeah, I agree with anything. And that's with everything in life, right? Um, but again, what, what? How can we help? I mean, you know, we can do these podcasts, we can do these shows, we can talk about it, but where can we really drill down and and make a difference? Um. Doing exactly what you're doing is is the most benefit. Do what whatever you're good at, do the best that you can with that. Okay. Follow your passion and you'll never go wrong. Okay. Okay, good. Well, you know, I am super excited about the show. I'm super excited. I know it's gonna be a little controversial. Um and um, and I'd like to have you back on at some point to talk about meditation and your business, but how can our audience find you and learn more about you and your life's mission? I am gonna have all this information, your bio and your URL and your Facebook on your landing page, but can you tell us how we can find you? Uh, well, I can be found, uh, my, my meditation and Reiki related stuff is on my Instagram, which is at Paul Sweck, P-A-U-L-S-W-E-K. Um, and again, that's on Instagram, but then I have my more controversial topics on uh, places such as Facebook, which can also be found under my name, Paul Sweck. Um, and that, that one, I've, I've found, it's funny because I post many, 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 many things daily um, with, with things that are, that are, the public is starting to become aware of. So I'm, I'm, I'm pushing that into you and I'm finding that I'm, I can't break myself away from being able to tell this truth because again, my entire life, I felt like I could not show who I am. Mm -hmm. And by any means, 
my Facebook page does not make me who I am. And a lot of people seem to think that, you know, people, this identity is, is through our social media. Like, no, that is not who we are because if we look at other things, like, again, my Instagram page, which connects to my Facebook group page, which is Meridian Meditation, um, then we can, you can start to see a better picture of who somebody is. But again, that's by no means who we actually are. But those are the ways that I can. That someone can find you and reach out to you. You know, again, I want to have you back on. I know we're running out of time. We try to keep these podcasts, you know, 30, 40 minutes. But um, again, thank you so much, Paul. Um, great information, eye-opening, um, great conversation. And I know Dr. Clitheroe and I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking the time out of your day today and joining us. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. And with that, we are going to get a commercial break. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Okay, we're back from commercial. Wow, Scott, what a controversial topic. And, you know, I just want to take a moment to state some facts, and that is human trafficking is a crime that exploits men, women, and children. And according to the United Nations, human trafficking affects every single country in the world, but it's not talked about enough. And I just really want to encourage people to do their research, do their homework, and find additional ways to help in the fight with human trafficking. And we're going to list a few websites on our landing page that people can look into and find ways to have a voice for the voiceless. I agree, Beth. I think that um, I specifically like the State Department link that you um, are going to put up or have put up that I learned a lot. It's um, at State Department, um, 20 ways you could help fight human trafficking. I think that was very educational and I haven't gone through the other two, but yeah, I would encourage our listeners to, uh, you know, look at it yourself and find out, um, you know, where you uh, want to get your information and what you can do. Because I think it's one thing just to find out about it, which is, is, is uh, horrifying, but also to figure out ways we can make an impact as just uh, common citizens. You know, and, and, you know, Scott, ultimately, and this may sound a little kind of strange, but in the same way a square peg cannot fill a round hole, you know, to me, I just trust in the goodness of people. And more importantly, I trust in God and the God-shaped hole inside each of us cannot be filled by anyone or anything other than God. So, and not only did I eventually come to that profound realization, 
that we all have our own holes and we're craving the answers to help others and be passionate about something. And for one person that might look a little different than someone else. Couldn't agree more. You know, I think um, one thing we talk about here on this uh, show is one way to improve your mental health and your sense of well-being is to step outside of your own issues and help somebody else. And I think that's where I would like to, you know, kind of file this uh, show. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, if this is your passion and go for it, you know, but there's other things to be passionate about climate change and, and, um, you know, on and on and on homelessness. So, you know, just, uh, when you start to feel down about yourself, which is so easy to do in this day and age, but really anytime, well, that's probably the time to just, um, get out, put your shoes on and go help somebody else who's less fortunate than you are. You know, I think there, it's good to remember that there's usually somebody willing to trade places with you, <laughs> no matter, no matter how bad your day's going. Right. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you know, I really do. I used to volunteer a lot. I and I've, I kind of stepped away from that. I used to volunteer at the YMCA, um, you know, after school programs, the SPCA. I mean, I was there at least once a month. And, you know, what my takeaway from this is, you know, find my passion about something and, and really just kind of, you know, dive in with both feet and, and do it. Yeah, I agree. Well, Beth, I just, you know, again, I really appreciate Paul's time. I have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to be apolitical and I was, you know, I just like to encourage our listeners to make their own decisions, but um, I just, I feel like this problem is, is not a political problem. You know, this is a human evil problem. And I just, um, I don't, I, I don't <clears throat> feel great about um, blaming one party more than the other. I think this is a problem that uh, we all share in and we should all work together to find a solution. So I will say that, um, to wrap up my thoughts about it. And, um, and again, I can t just share with the reader, the readers, listeners that my, um, one of my many passions here in Austin is the Hope Medical Clinic. I'm the medical director and it's, it's actually a, a clinic that started off as a, a clinic to help refugees, political and otherwise, who came to the Austin area under state programs and they didn't have health care. And now it's, you know, we take care of anybody who's under or um, without insurance, you know, underinsured or no insurance. And so we have a lot of homeless folks. And so, um, if you feel like getting involved and maybe making some donations, the getupproject.org, they'll be happy to have you. Or if you're a listener in the Austin area, we can serve you some volunteers. Um, but really, seriously, just get involved wherever you are, you know, wherever you're listening to this, get out there and, and make the world a better place. Well, and that's why we're such good friends. I adore that spirit. I enjoy, you know, everything you stand for. And, you know, and I want to thank Paul for joining us and, and sharing his passion. And, you know, as we wrap up, Scott and I will be back next time around. I think our topic will be less intense next time. But as always, we will bring information, important information about our health and ways to make the world better, happier, and healthier. Amen to that. Yeah. And I want to thank our audience for joining us. Um, if you like a healthier view, make sure you subscribe to the show and don't forget to check out the other amazing shows on Up To Me Radio.